Welcome back. We are we are in episode three, three episodes in today. Um, I'm so pumped up for today. Like this is going to be such a good conversation. This has been a conversation that Adrian and I have had for like a year now, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And uh, and it all started in the gym, and and then philosophically, and uh, there's a lot of themes that have played out in our lives, and and uh, I'm really excited to to get into the podcast today. Uh, before we do, I just want to do a quick correction. So on the last podcast, in episode two, I talked about Mary touching Jesus's coat, and it actually wasn't Mary. Um, and, and the reason I want to bring that up now is uh, within this podcast, we want to be transparent. We want to be realistic and honest in, um, in any biblical principle that we talk about on this podcast. And that also means correcting, right? Making sure that we are, are giving the right scripture, giving context before we uh, kind of give our thoughts. And so uh, the the passage that I was uh, referencing last week was Mark 29, uh, sorry, Mark uh, chapter 5, verse 29. Um, as soon as she touched Jesus's coat, the blood stopped. She felt in her body that her illness was better and she knew that she was well again. And so I wanted to start with just making sure that we communicated that. I don't want to get anybody in my DMs saying, hey, dude, you you missed <laughs> the, the, the right scripture. Um, so uh, if you have a chance, uh, go read Mark 5, uh, because I think it has uh, a lot to do with um, just having faith in, in going through uh, what, what we were talking about last week, right? Kind of in forgiveness. And, and one, one thought came to mind from last week as I was pondering the conversation. And I was uh, closing out reading 2 Kings. And uh, in 2 in Kings 25, uh, 27 through 30, Chapter 25, verses 27 through 30. Um, actually, let me pull this up real quick so I'm, so I'm also correct and making sure that I'm saying the correct people's names. So real quick context. Uh, uh, king Jehoiakim uh, was, was a king of Judah for 37 years. And, and uh, there was a, another king, uh, Evo Meridoka, Meridoka. He was a king of Babylon, and King Jehoiakim was actually imprisoned um, for some of the things that he was doing by uh, the king of Babylon. And one of the things, the themes that play out at the end of Second Kings in, 20, in, in chapter 25 is King Jehoiakim was, was sitting in prison and thinking, man, am I going to be here forever? And there had to be a level of forgiveness that he had to impart on the king of Babylon. Um, and going from imprisonment to then being released and then being at the seat of the king, it says that, that every day until he died, he ate, at the, he ate a meal at the king's table in Babylon. And so, you know, as we talk about forgiveness last week and as I was pondering that and thinking through, you know, the conversation I realized that even back in the day, um, the level of, of surrender that these, these, you know, the people of Israel had to give, you know, uh, people in their circle or, uh, their oppressors, um, and just the blessing that that God continues to show through Scripture that uh, even in even in the worst of times, there's still beauty and victory at the end of the season, right? Jehoiakim ended up getting the seat at the table with this other king, and he I think about if you really have to to if you really sit there and think about man, what type of forgiveness did he give this other king just so that he can sit there? not resent him, not hate him, to love him and join him in eating um, really in a place that he should have been in, right? Because he was he was taken away from being king, imprisoned, and then now sitting at the seat next to this guy who did it to him. And just the the picture that I see in my life 
as I look through divorce and previous relationships and uh, being let down in business and in uh, and, and jobs that I've had in the past, even more recently too, uh, looking at, at Jehoiakim and, and seeing his behavior through, through scripture, uh, it only makes me want to continue loving well, even though it's hard. Because if he can be imprisoned, taken away from his throne, and then being, you know, given the seat at the table and enjoying the fruits of this, uh, this other king, uh, is wild. It's wild to think that he had that level of, of grace and mercy for this other person. So I don't know. Do you have anything to, to add to that? I'm trying to remember the context. Because that I'm I'm rusty on that that king. But that slice that you mentioned, if you're imprisoned by someone and then they release you and then you have a seat at their table, um and you approach that with grace and forgiveness. That slice I see, I don't remember the full context, but but speaking in terms of, of that slice. If that's forgiveness that's demonstrated, that's got to be really hard. And any time that, um, any time that we're wronged, we talked about this just a little bit ago. One of the things that's significant about about that particular um, context is you're sitting at the table with the person that imprisoned you. That seems related to what we talked about before we started, and what we talked about last time about forgiveness being a choice. Mm-hmm. Um, there have been times in my past where something happens with someone, someone offends you, someone hurts you, someone does something that, that profoundly hurts you. And for me, it's happened. I forgave. And then I don't, because of circumstance, don't spend as much time around that person. Things change. Um, and in my heart, I'm, you know. While I'm apart, I'm thinking, oh, I've forgiven that person. And then circumstances change such that I run into that person again later. And as soon as I see them, all of a sudden, I'm not sure I forgive them anymore. Mm -hmm. I think forgiveness is easy when someone's out of sight. (laughs) Wow. Um, I think the real... For me, anyway, a real test is for forgiveness is, you know, can I sit across from that person and know in my heart that I've forgiven them? I don't think running away is forgiveness. Hmm. I don't think it's the same thing. Yeah. Oh, I forgave that person. I'm never, never going to have to see him again. Um, I don't think they're the same thing. By the same token, I also don't think forgiveness means being in a situation where someone continually abuses you continually subjecting yourself to that either mm-hmm. right it, there, there's i think there's there's a nuance and there's context there yeah but also i think sometimes maybe to quiet our conscience we say we forgive someone and we situate our lives so that we never have to see them again mm-hmm. because really we didn't forgive them yeah and if we don't see them we don't have to deal with that yeah so again forgiveness is a choice and I think one of the challenges is like can you sit across from that person and you know ask yourself and and truly know in your heart I forgive you yeah that's Mm. that's tough I mean and that's like I said last time and this is why we need Jesus yep (laughs) (laughs) this is why we need Jesus so badly you know because because I, I can't do that in my own strength. Yep. I can't. As hard as, as I would try, I, I think I can do it inconsistently at best. Yeah. But the only way that I can consistently forgive and consistently show grace and mercy to those around me is if I'm walking with Jesus. Yeah. Constantly. Constantly. I will screw things up if I'm not. I'll screw things up in record time. If I'm not walking with Jesus, 
doing this. Watch me driving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, that's, um, forgiveness is tough, and it's, it's one of those lessons that we have to learn over and over and over and over again, and um, just when we think we've learned it, somebody offends us in a new way, mm-hmm. in a different way. They, yeah. they offend us in a way that, that, um, that hurts a, a piece of our heart that didn't get hurt before. Mm-hmm. And we have to learn, oh, well, I have to forgive in that situation, too. Yeah. I have to forgive in that situation, and... Each one's a little different, but they're all different forms of forgiveness. They're all expressions of forgiveness. Um, there's hurts we have with family. There's hurts we have with friends. There's hurts we have with siblings. There's hurts we have with um, co-workers, spouses. And each one of them is unique. Mm-hmm. But in all those cases, we need Jesus to help us show grace and forgiveness. That's so good. And I think that Second Kings, I think at, at the end of it, right, in, in chapter 25, I think that is a perfect depiction, right? Because mm-hmm. if we look at how does that relate to what Jesus did? I mean, he had dinner with Judas. <laughs> I mean, he sat him at the table with him. He had dinner with all the disciples. He did. Yeah. Who all had sin in them. Mm. And sin is the reason he died. Yeah. The betrayal of Judas is, is the most profound. Right. You know, I think, or, or one of the most uh, dramatic mm. expressions of, of sin and betrayal to Jesus. Yeah. Um, but don't get it twisted. It's, it's the sin of all of us that put Jesus on the cross. <laughs> yeah. It wasn't Judas that put Jesus it on was, the cross. Yeah. And yet, Jesus sits with all of us at the table. Yeah, well, that's so good. He sat with all of them at the table. He did. And he knew who Peter was going to do, and he sat with him. Um, so, again, that's, that's our model. Yeah. That's our model. That's our, our example to follow, and that's, that's tough. I mean, it, well, I'll put it this way. It's tough without him. Yeah. Yeah. With him, it's possible yeah we just jumped right into it on this uh on this episode <laughs> sorry i have a tendency to do that yeah. <laughs> just jump right into the deep end no this is great uh <clears throat> and that actually that leads into um the topic for this episode which is well you want to go right into the lebron thing yeah let's go into the lebron thing okay so let set, set it up for us. Okay. Because you brought it to me. So I go on YouTube rabbit trails all the time. The older I get, the more I like documentaries. So I'm watching documentaries and just all kinds of stuff on YouTube. So I get up one morning and I'm looking something up. I don't know. Music related, history related something. And I'm going to watch it and um, an ad comes up on YouTube. And... Ads are just the most annoying thing in the world to me. Just, you're, I'm ready to watch this thing. I've been searching for this one video. I finally found it. I click play, and this stupid ad comes up. And it, this particular case, it was a, it was an ad for, it was a tonal ad that LeBron James had done for tonal for this piece of fitness tech equipment. Um, and I'm just sitting there frustrated. But the commercial is really well done. I mean, it's shot really well. Looks good. Voiceover is good. The music's good. And uh, it shows LeBron James shirtless standing in, in front of this, this piece of equipment. And I'm watching. And one of the first things he says is, everything you see me do is possible because of everything you don't see me do. Huh. Or something like that. And in that moment, I remember hitting pause. I had pause because I felt like the Holy Spirit, God was telling me something in that moment. He's like, I need you to hear this. Huh. Everything you do in public is an expression and is made possible by everything you do in private. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hit pause, started thinking about that, and I just I just started praying. And I just started meditating on that, on that truth. And then I started thinking about, you know, how important it is to pray how important it is to journal, how important it is 
to be in the word, how important it is to, to cling to his garment, you know, in private and not just um, posture like we do that in public. Mm. And I started unpacking the metaphor and I started thinking about, you know, to me, it, it just seemed like a really powerful metaphor. Um, imagine if LeBron James, you know, he does all this work. He does, you know, agility work. He does strength work. He does different kinds of coordination work. He, he, he does drills. He works on technique. He works on all these things um, to make him a better athlete and to, so that he can perform better when he's, when he's playing. Yeah. So imagine how ridiculous it would be if you went to watch a football game and we watched LeBron James go on the court and start yelling at other people all the things that he did. You know how much I can bench? You know how many miles I ran? You know how many drills I did? I did this and this and this and this, and this is how much weight I can lift. And this is how, you know, this is, these are all the stats on, on everything I do. He doesn't do that. He just performs. Yeah. He just performs. All the work that he put in is literally now a part of his flesh. All the drills, all the, the eye-hand coordination, all the strength training, all the agility training, it literally is a part of his body now, such that when he goes on a court to play that game, his body just performs and responds based on the conditioning that he's poured into himself. And as I'm staring at that paused commercial, I felt like God saying, that's what you're supposed to do with my word. Mm. Like, do you go out and, and do you just spit the word at people and quote things and quote things and show them this and quote this and quote that and quote this and quote that? And, you know, the phrase that, that was on my heart was we read the Bible too much and we live it too little. Mm. I feel like if, if we're doing... I think if we're doing what we're supposed to be doing in our time in the word, in our time of prayer, in our time of seeking him, the word, what we're reading, will become a part of us. Mm -hmm. it'll, be, it'll become a part of our hearts, our minds, our thoughts, our desires, such that when, when we're out and we're not in private, such that when we're in public, um, we, our character has been shaped in such a way that we just, we express and behave in a way that is fully influenced and informed by God's word and by the person of Jesus. Um, I was thinking back, I remember when we talked about it, I was thinking back to those, uh, I don't know how many years ago it was, those, those what would Jesus do bracelets. And I remember we had this conversation. Yeah. And the thing that occurred to me is if I'm in a moment where I have to make a decision, you know, on what I'm going to do, whether I'm going to do something right or wrong, if I have to look down at a bracelet that says, what would Jesus do? If I have to look down, it's already too late. Um, my behavior should be driven by the word that's in me. And the word getting in me, it means all that stuff we do in private. Yeah. I think about, in my life, I have lived Pharisee behavior in previous relationships where it's really easy for me to, to cast stones and say, you're wrong and, and here's the biblical truths, right? And that's, that's uh, it's, it's quick to do that when you're not in the word, it's really quick to do that, to live as a Pharisee and judge when you don't have quiet time with him. Mm -hmm. And then you also use scripture at face value and not actually learning it and let it, letting him impart that wisdom in you. Um, so then you're doing, in essence, you're kind of doing a, a, a half-assed job Mm -hmm. in your walk with him in your in your quiet time i think a lot of a lot of us as early christians and uh, we open up scripture and we're like okay well, what can we get from this today mm -hmm. you know, 
Give me a word, God. What is it? What do you want to show me today? And I think there's so much history and context and life written in the word that we missed. We missed the the truths, the reality, the uh, what God is working, what He worked through those people back in, you know, uh, back in the day, and and how He continues to use His word through through now. And I think it's I think it's really important for anybody listening to to recognize where you fall in that because we all do it. I mean, we've all lived at some point in our lives a little bit of that Pharisee mindset, mm-hmm. right? And uh, no shame in that. You know, but there's, but it can be hurtful. It can be hurtful to others and to ourselves mm-hmm. because pride isn't a good thing. Um, yeah. I think many of us have done that often. Mm-hmm. We we quote something because it's, <laughs> it's easier to quote it than it is to live it. Mm-hmm. It's good. And I think about Paul in Corinthians. I had to look it up. I don't have it memorized. Um, 1 Corinthians 1.8 Now about food sacrificed to idols we know that we all possess knowledge but knowledge puffs up while love builds up those who think they know something do not yet know as they ought to know but whoever loves God is known by God they're talking about stuff we're supposed to do and not supposed to do I love that knowledge puffs up like if we, if we, it's what I said earlier, we read the Bible too much and live it too little. We had this discussion before about digesting food. Remember, it's like when you eat something, you have to give your body time to digest it. You have to give your body time to take that food, process it, and so that you, it, your body can use that food for nourishment. Yeah. Well, I think consuming the word is the same way. Um, but what is our ratio right now in terms of how much we consume versus how much we live. Because mm-hmm. we're consuming a lot. Mm-hmm. Think of how much content is produced now. How much content, you know, how much biblical and Christian content do we have relative to how much content was available when the New Testament church was thriving? Mm-hmm. It's like we have a buffet. Yeah. But just like any buffet, the problem is we consume, we consume, we consume, we consume. But are we really processing it? Is it nourishment or is it feeding our sense of pride, feeding our sense of, oh, I know more than others. Mm -hmm. So I have this sense of I'm an arbiter of truth because I know these things that they don't know. And I can quote these things. And I think we shared this last time. We've talked about it. It's like for, for every person that you know that knows the word 10 times better than you, can you say that they love 10 times better than you? And it's not a, an either or, it's a both hand. Yeah. Like, are we taking scripture? Are we digesting it? Are we meditating it? Are we processing it? And are we living it out? Because scripture is incredibly dense and incredibly powerful. And we seem to go through a lot of it in a very short period of time. Yeah. So, given that we're going through so much of it, are we taking enough time to process it and live it out? Mm-hmm. Or do we feel like, oh, we just got to have the next the next segment, the next bite, yeah. the next bite. Give me the next bite. Okay, I'm bored with this. You know, and there's that whole thing of we're interested in what's novel and what's new. Oh, so give me the next new idea. What's the next new concept? What's yeah. the, new, ne- the next new unique take on this scripture? Love God and love people. Love your neighbor as yourself. So have we mastered that? Do we have that down already? Nope. Luke 6.45, <laughs> a good man brings forth good things out of the goodness stored up in his heart. It's like, do we have that down? Do we have a solid grasp on that? Right. But we want more and more and more and more content. Uh-huh. And I think where, I think the thing that God has given us to counteract the pride is relationship and community. Because... Mm. We can read and feel good about all this stuff. And we talked about this last time. You know, like even, even in, in doing this podcast, it's like we can share these things and talk about these things and, and point out some scripture that's really profound and how, you know, talk about how moved we are by it. Mm-hmm. But are, are we in relationships where 
somebody heard me say that and now they're going to hold me accountable. Mm. It's like, hey, remember what you said, bro? Yeah. Remember what you talked about? Because um, you don't seem to be living that out right now. Yeah. I'm not judging you. I'm just telling you, I think you've forgotten who you are. Right. I think you forgot who you're following. Yeah. So, yes, of course, we have to read the word. But, of course, we have to live it out. We have to. And I think one of the the way that we live it out is to be in community, to be with other people that, that are trying to follow Jesus too. And we have all these thoughts and we share these thoughts and these observations and those things we learn from the word. I think that's why we share them with, with other believers so that we can say, oh, look, this is what God's speaking to me in the word. But then we can't leave it at that and leave it at a Bible study or leave it at a small group or leave that discussion on a Sunday morning. Because then when do we get to see each other walk it out? Mm. And that's what why I said before, doing church together is not the same thing as doing life together. Right. If all we're doing together is church, well, all of us know how to put an act on for Sunday. Yeah, I mean, the term Sunday best, best exists for a reason. But if we get to see each other outside of the context of a Sunday, yeah. hey, let's, let's go down to a restaurant or let's go to a show or let's go hang out. And, and let's figure out how to how to love and follow Jesus when we're not at church. Yeah, because doing it in church is easy. So I think one one thing that that I would love to touch on here is application, right? Mm-hmm. And I think there's a there's a, a specific principle that needs to be in place in order for this to happen, which is helping correct or being honest mm-hmm. with things that need to change or if somebody's behavior changes in those moments, right? So what we're talking about. And the number one thing that needs to be in place is relationship. Mm-hmm. Because if there's not, if you can't, if you can't be vulnerable with somebody, then you don't know them deep enough yet. Or they don't know you deep enough yet for you to be able to trust them with your heart, with, with your honesty, um, and I think that's a lot of times guys, we have a hard time with that. You know, mm-hmm. we can be in the in the Latin term, we can be very machismo, mm-hmm. right? We can be puffed up, like scripture says. And I mean, I don't know how many guys I've hung out with in my life and you ask how they're doing and I'm good. Everything's great. But is it really, bro? Like, I can see it in you, but I don't have that relationship with you to be honest, right? And I think yeah. that's one of the things that I've learned with you is what true vulnerability looks like to be able to have these conversations. And I think that's that preparation that, we, that, that you know, we're talking about in order for you to have these honor, honest conversations and, and honor that person with the truth. Mm-hmm. The relationship has to be there. And you can't be in relationship if it's only one day a week, right? And if it's only a check-in here and there, love what Tim Ross talks about in terms of Account, like an account, officer, yeah, yeah, accountability partner, right? For anybody that hasn't seen that, go go watch it. But um, it, it, it's that. Like, who wants to check in with their parole officer? Who wants to say, "Oh, I, you know, I didn't didn't look at porn, or I didn't uh, I didn't uh, I didn't cheat on my wife, or I didn't you know do cocaine or whatever it is, right? You know, the uh, if that's what the relationship is built on, then there's no real no real honesty and there's no real relationship because there's going to be judgment at that point, right? Or at least you're going to feel judged Mm. if it's not there. So the application comes down to relationship. And there's, there's a couple of dimensions to relationship. There's our relationship with our savior, with God. Mm -hmm. And there's our relationship with people. And I believe those two are related. Mm-hmm. I think they're inseparable. If my relationship with God is broken, my relationship with people is going to be broken. Mm-hmm. If my relationship with people is broken, it's going to affect my relationship with God. Um, our relationship with our Savior and our Lord should inform and influence our relationship with the people around us. Yeah. And that's why we spend time in the Word. That's why we spend time in prayer. That's why we spend time in worship. Um, 
because that's what needs to inform and guide how we love other people. So it, those relationships are absolutely critical because if we're not doing those things, um, our understanding of the word and our understanding of following Jesus um, is never being tested. What I, I read something recently that said, um, uh, you, you can't discipleship without relationship or you can't follow Jesus without discipleship. You can't follow him and not be in relationship with others. And one of the things that you talked about is trust. Trust takes time. Mm. Yes, it does. Trust takes, you don't, you can't force someone to trust you quickly. It takes time. And vulnerability, another thing is it's like a, it's a two-way, it's a two-way blessing. I'll put it that way. It's not transactional. Because what happens is you spend time with each other, you start talking, you start sharing life experiences, you start doing life things together. And when we're doing life together, we start getting glimpses of the ugly in each other. And I think there's something beautiful. There's two beautiful things that can happen when we start seeing the ugly in another person or they start seeing the ugly in us. Mm -hmm. One is if I start behaving in a way that's not characteristic of following Jesus and you're my friend and we're in relationship and I trust you and you trust me and we're walking together, then you might say something and I'm much more likely to hear you because you've demonstrated that you care about me. You've spent time with me. You've done life with me. So when you speak, I know it's coming from someone that, that cares about me. Um, so one, when you're in a relationship like that, there's a sense of accountability. And that should make me a better person because I have someone who's going to help me stay on track. Mm -hmm. Someone who's going to help reinforce the things that we say we believe as followers of Jesus. That's what it does for me. Yeah. For the person on the receiving end of the correction. And there's like a healthy sense of shame when you're in a community and you're doing things, you're spending time with the community, not just in church, but outside of church. In church, we're affirming and we're, we're coming into agreement about what it means to follow Jesus and we're being taught what it means to follow Jesus. But then outside of church, we get an opportunity to walk that out. Well, what happens is when you're in a community, um, when you do things that are inconsistent, with what we all agreed to on Sunday morning, we can feel a, a little sense of shame. Huh. Like, ooh, I'm not doing what we talked about. And when somebody sees you, and I think that's healthy shame. Yeah. I think that's a warning mechanism that God mm -hmm. has built into us. I think yeah. that's the Holy Spirit. I think that's conviction. Yeah. You know, it kind of, that keeps us from, you know, going off the rails. Yeah. But here's the flip side of that. It also teaches us about grace. Uh-huh. Because let's say I'm walking with you and we just sat in a Sunday morning, we heard a powerful message about loving Jesus, about patience, about kindness, about selflessness, about humility, about serving. And we're hanging out and I see you doing something that isn't any of those things. Mm -hmm. I can throw rocks. Yeah. I can quote scripture at you. I can say, hey, yo dude, what about all this? Or I can try to encourage you and I can do my best to learn about what it means to show grace. Hmm. So it challenges both. Yeah. It challenges me because I need to learn to love you and show grace even when you don't look like the person that I see on Sunday morning. Yeah. Yeah. And then you need to learn to, to trust that we need to learn to trust each other but you need to learn to trust that I'm saying these things but I get, because I care about you. Yeah. And because remember those things that we heard on Sunday morning. Remember those things we, we heard in this study about following Jesus. Yeah. Okay, remember those because you're doing something that's dangerous right now. Yeah. So it's both ways. It, it, we learn about grace and we learn about support and, and healthy shame. You know, I think about the times that, that you've been honest with me and it's never come off as... Um, like it's never come off spiteful <clears throat> and I didn't take it in response with anger. 
And I think a lot of that is because of the relationship was there, right? Because I trusted in you. I knew that if you were going back to what you're saying, if you see something in me and you call it out, there's, this is a real thing, right? It's not, it's not a, like, there's a, there's a chance that this is actually a thing. No, this is something that you see good or bad. And I've, that's one of the reasons why I love you is because of, of that honesty. And then also I've been able to take that critical feedback and ponder it, think about it. And I've gotten conviction from it in the moment to make the change because I want it. Not because I'm being told, mm-hmm. uh, hey, you're not loving your, your ex-wife this certain way. Or uh, I saw you with your kids and you yelled at them or whatever it is. I mean, that, that's not a conversation we've had. But I mean, those are, you know, those are, mm-hmm. those are things that I can think of. And so I, I think the, the, the main thing that I'm trying to, to communicate here is that relationship is key. Because if I... If I didn't have that vulnerability with you, then I would have taken that critical feedback and been like, who the hell does this guy think he is telling me, you know, and then I'd go into my <laughs> room and then be like, I don't know if I'm going to hang out with Adrian anymore. He's not coming over here to work out, you know, 530 in the morning. Uh, but that's 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 an easy position for us to take. And I think early on you said it's easy to, to not forgive somebody when they're not around. Mm-hmm. Right. That also kind of ties into this because... Um, if you don't have anybody around that you trust and you're vulnerable with, then... You'll never live up to what you're really made to be, right? Yeah, I think um, character, I think we learn, when, when we get good teaching, we learn and we get the information in us. Yeah. Um, and that's good. And there's a lot of good content, a lot of good information. I mean, we have God's word. We have all that really good information. But I think God's word is worked into our character in the crucible of community. Mm. Community is that crucible where our character is shaped and molded and formed and chiseled. Mm. And that's hard. Yeah. But it's not going to happen outside of outside of community. Yeah. I'll never forget one time years ago, um, there was something Pastor Ross shared, and it always stuck with me. I believe it was inspired. He said, both the method and measure of spiritual maturity is relationship. So good. Like, all right. You feeling like you're spiritually mature? How are your relationships doing? How are your relationships doing? And likewise, I love this because we've talked and I've shared with you. And over time, we didn't trust each other right away. We didn't open up right away. Yeah. But we just met and we got together and we got to know each other. And then trust takes time. Yeah. And then. I'd start sharing stuff with you and I'm like, you know, I'm struggling with this relationship right now. I'm struggling with this relationship. And I remember what you told me. You're like, were you praying for that person? And I love how you put it earlier. If we didn't have a relationship, I'd be like, you don't know me. (laughs) It's like... (laughs) Back off, bro. Why are, you, why are you talking to me like it? It's like, you don't, you don't know me. But you said it in a way that like, you understood. Like, no. Like, are you praying? Mm-hmm. Are, you, are you choosing forgiveness? Mm. And are you praying through that? Are you praying for blessing? And I never forgot that. And that's the beauty and the power of relationship is when you get close enough and you allow yourself to be close enough, and you get to know others. Um, you let people in your life and you're in their life. Then I believe the Holy Spirit works through, in and through us, to help shape us into who he intended us to become. That's so good. This whole entire time I've been thinking about, there was a moment in, in counseling that I was going through uh, when I was going through the divorce. And... Uh, in the beginning, I told my therapist, man, I've read all these books. I've read the five love languages. I've read, you know, how to build intimacy with your spouse. I've read the, I mean, I've, there's probably like 15 books I've read. Maybe not that many, but there's like a good, good handful of books that I've read on marriage. And one of the things that she uh, responded with my counselor was, 
Well, the problem a lot of times is when we're reading self-help books or we're reading books to get us out of a situation, um, the philosophy is there, but the teaching of acting it out isn't. It's really easy to throw, going back to your last, last, uh, last week, it's really easy to throw a checklist of information out there and say, well, this is the top ways to love your spouse or this is the top ways to have a relationship. This is the top ways to do business. Um, and what it fails to do is teach how to have relationship, mm-hmm. right? How to, how to dive deeper into relationship. And you can't teach that in a book, right? Because it, it has to, there has to be a natural vulnerability that happens so that you can start building trust and create dialogue and then be honest, mm-hmm. right? Um, and it didn't click until she, she, you know, my counselor had said that. And I, now I realize, you know, as I read, as I read scripture, um, it's not about just going through and taking all this information down so that I can love people well theatrically. Yeah. Right. It's not a checklist. It's not a checklist. And, um, and I've had to learn, and you've taught me this. This is one of the great, and this is why I wanted to do this podcast because I, I want people to learn this. You taught me uh, what it was like to have a safe space to be able to be honest and mm-hmm. transparent. I remember the first time that I told you that mm-hmm. my ex and I were going through trouble. Mm-hmm. And I had jokingly had said, hey, pray for us because we're not doing so well right now. And then you didn't stop with, okay. You were like, what's going on? And in that moment, I knew that I had the relationship where I could be honest with you. And and we sat there, I think, for like 45 minutes just talking outside of the garage. Um, And no book, no marriage book would have taught me that. Um, There's a lot of great things in there. I'm not going to tell you not to go read marriage books because I think there's a lot of good information. But going back to a topic that you said, Mm-hmm. Um, there's a plethora of information. Too much information doesn't mean anything if there's re- if there's not relationship in the middle of it. So I can't stress that enough. I can't stress relationship enough. I read a really good book over the last three years called The Other Half of Church. And there's a quote in there. There's a lot of really good content, but it focuses on um, hesed relationship and community. I guess it's a Hebrew word mm-hmm. for this sticky kind of community where there's meaningful healthy life-giving relationships and one of the quotes that I took away was we don't need exam we don't need facts to memorize we need examples to follow um I, if I'm going through the jungle I don't need a map I need a guide mm. maps not you give me a sheet of paper it's not going to give me any comfort yeah if you take my hand in yours and say, let's walk through this together, that gives me comfort. Yeah. And if someone says things, that's one thing. I'm reading this book right now. Paula and the ladies read this book and she recommended it to me and I'm, I'm reading it and I like it. And there was this quote that jumped out. It has to do with this man demonstrating his integrity. And I love the quote. He said, men are what they are because of what they do, not what they say. We can say stuff all day long. So good. I can say stuff to you all day long. Yeah. But if I'm not willing to walk with you, it's not going to have the same impact on you. You can say stuff to me, but if you're not willing to walk with me, it's not going to have the same impact. It's not... I mean, it's a cliche, but words are cheap. Mm. It's easy to say things. It's easy to quote things. Um, it's easy to try to give answers. It's hard to walk with someone when you don't know what the end is going to look like. Yeah. yeah. And as we, we've been walking through this, you know, for the last couple of years, we haven't known. Mm-hmm. We, we knew that we needed to follow Jesus together. Mm-hmm. We knew that he was in control. We knew that, that he would provide and he would take care of everyone involved. But there was no point where either one of us said, 
here's the answer. Go do this. Mm-hmm. It's like, Lord, we need you. Back to what we said last time. We need Jesus. We need Jesus. And when we come together, sometimes we come together to remind each other, dude, we need Jesus. Mm-hmm. We need him more today. It's like, let's yes. pray together. Let's seek him in his word. Let's worship him together. Yeah. That's why we need, you know, others to do that. And also the other thing, the other benefit that comes from being in community and being in relationship is um, I may understand a part of scripture. You may understand another part. I may have one perspective. You have another perspective. We start seeing and we trust in the Holy Spirit that God's revealing something to you in scripture that he didn't reveal to me and vice versa. Yeah. And we share that with each other and we get the benefit of what God has shared with both of us. Yeah. Not just what I had yeah. um, or what you had. But that takes an investment. And the thing is, um, I think the reason that we struggle with this is because relationships and being in community, it's not efficient. It's messy. It's messy. It's a pain. It's inconvenient. <laughs> it's in a, it. Uh, it is. I mean, it's, it's not... It's not easy. It's not convenient. You have to, and it seems like um, the more things we have in our life to do, the harder it gets to to create those relationships. I remember, I think it was Rob Stennett one time talked about, um, he was doing a message series on following Jesus, and he said something, I think, I don't want to misquote him, but I think he said something about, you know, the fact that one of Jesus' greatest miracles wasn't necessarily... um, in turning water into wine or healing the blind, but it was establishing relationship and friendships among 12 grown men. Mm. Oh, that's good. Because I don't know if anybody's noticed, but the older you get, the harder it gets to make friends. <laughs> it just gets harder. It does. Um, because we have, we're at different stations of life. Mm-hmm. We have different backgrounds. We don't have a common history. But the thing that we all have in common is that we love Jesus and we're trying to follow him. And I think in that is, you know, the beauty of our Savior is that we have him in common. He's the thing that can bring us all together. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's so important for everyone to carve out that time. Because all of this is us preparing for the road ahead, right? I think about the Kobe, uh, well, I saw an interview with Kobe and he talked about how um, he's like, I could wake up at 9 a.m., do a workout, come home, eat, sleep, get back up a couple hours later, go back into the gym, do it again, repeat, and then go back into the gym at 9 p.m. and do it again. So he's like, that's three sessions. He's like, but if I get up at 4 a.m. or 3 a.m., he goes, I add an extra session per day. And I'm not telling anybody to go and wake Mm -hmm. up, you know, (laughs) 4 a.m. and just start cranking out scripture and then, you know, going to sleep and doing it all over again. It's good, but then that becomes transactional. Uh, I fall asleep on my butt. Oh, my goodness. Yeah, 100%. Uh, But the... The theme, right, is putting in the work. And and that doesn't mean always sitting and reading scripture. That means doing relationship. That means serving people. That means going, uh, going and joining a small group. That is uh, getting out of your comfort zone of staying in your home, your bedroom, with your Bible on your lap, uh, and growing in these other areas because that's the only way it's going to work. So much there. <laughs> so much there, man. Like, actually living out scripture. I was thinking about this and may, maybe I'm wrong, but there's an observation I had the last, last few days. Um, there's a couple of observations. When I read the Gospels, it seems to me like the Gospels only describe Jesus being in the temple 
two, maybe three times. Mm-hmm. The rest of the times that the Gospels describe Jesus, he's not in the temple. He's at the wedding at Cana. He's with the woman at the well. He's with the man at the beautiful gate. He's at the beach. Walking. With the fishermen. He's, yeah, he's with the farmers. He's walking from... All these things, they're not in the temple. Yeah. The majority of the time, at least when I look at the Gospels, maybe, correct me if I'm wrong, but what I see is the majority of the time that that the Gospels are talking about Jesus, he's not in the temple. That doesn't mean that he dishonors or devalues the temple. Mm-hmm. But it seems like he's spending more time walking out those things that... He's, walk, he's spending more time walking out the word yeah. than memorizing the word. Yeah. And another thing that I... I was thinking about recently, and I need to check this. But it seems like when Jesus was quoting Scripture, I think most of the time he was quoting Scripture in a confrontational sense. I remember him quoting Scripture yeah. to the Pharisees and the Sadducees. Yeah, calling them out. I remember him quoting Scripture to the devil when he was being tempted. Mm-hmm. I don't think he was spitting Scripture as often to the people. I think he was living scripture mm-hmm. to the people. Yeah. He was the, the living embodiment of the word in him. Yeah. The word became flesh. He was the living embodiment of scripture to the people. Yeah. But when they wanted to call him on being able to quote a citation, he's like, oh, no, don't get it twisted. Mm-hmm. No, I, I can tell you, you know, book, chapter, and verse yep. if you want to do that. Yeah. But I kind of feel like he's saying, or you can watch me live it. So I think that's important for us, too. I think that's an important model for us. Like, yes, we need to know the word. We need to rightly divide the word. We need to show ourselves as, as craftsmen approved to divide the word. Yes, of course that's true. But we need to, to order things properly. Are we reading the word in such a way that it is shaping our character and behavior? Mm-hmm. Or are we reading the word in such a way that it's um, shaping our intellect? Is it shaping my intellect or is it shaping my character and behavior? Mm-hmm. If it's not shaping our character and behavior, we lost the plot. Yep. I was gonna say there's that's a dangerous road. Because a lot of a lot of times we can just focus on intellectual conversation and then walk away and feel really pumped up and good and then not do anything. Not do anything. Right. It's like, oh man, that was a and that's just You know what I hate this just I'll be walking down the road and it's always with somebody that is not a Christian and then a homeless person will come up to me and I don't have any money to give them and then in my in my response is like, hey, sorry, dude, I don't carry cash. Uh, and I think about, damn it, <laughs> I didn't live out scripture right here in this moment. But that's just my, yeah. my own conviction and crazy thought. <clears throat> but it always happens to me. Uh, just a funny moment that I wanted to throw out there because it it does not fail. Whenever I'm around someone that's not a believer, there's always a homeless person that walks up to me and asks me for money. <laughs> oh, the situation. There was a, a something happened. I shared this. I met this morning with, with my pastor and we were talking. We were talking about being in community and sharing and and you know being real with each other and doing life with each other and it was so good I was going to the store to pick something up and I called my buddy up and we're on the phone and we're talking and my friend we we met each other in church and he goes to church regularly and we spend time together in church and out of church but we're having this conversation and we're chatting and I also had Paula with me Paula was in the car and me and Paula were talking and I'm talking with him, and, and we pull into the parking lot, and I see a spot. I see a spot that's pretty close to, to the front, so I'm like, cool, I'm going to go get that spot. So I start pulling up to that spot, and there's this couple, you know, 30-something couple with a stroller, and they're walking over, and, you know, I go over, and I didn't cut them off or anything. I go over, and they have room, we have room, everything's fine. And then I start pulling into the spot, and there's plenty of room on both sides. But as I start pulling in, I guess this couple was in the car right next to the spot where I pulled in. And as I start pulling in, 
Again, didn't cut anybody off. This lady looks at me upset. Like, what are you doing? Do you not see I'm going to go here? i got to load my kid. And I'm, and I'm thinking, honestly, it's like, there's enough room for me to pull in. And there's plenty of room. Yeah. But she wants me to wait until... Well, they, they do their business. Yeah, she wants me to wait until they've done mm-hmm. all their stuff. And I was a little frustrated. Yeah. And I'm like, entitled much? It's like, really? <laughs> really? You feel like, oh, no, fine. No, you go ahead. I'll find another spot. And I'm, I'm saying this out loud. Yeah, yeah. And then I remember I'm on the phone with my friend Brian. <laughs> and I was embarrassed for a minute. I'm like, oh, snap. Yeah. It just came out of my mouth. Yeah. And then everything we talked about came to mind. Mm. I want he, him to see me when I'm real. Yep. When I have those moments. Yeah. Because in that moment, I felt this healthy sense of shame. Like, I shouldn't have... It wasn't anything big, but it's yeah. like, I shouldn't have reacted that way. Yeah. And I felt a healthy sense of conviction. Yeah. Because here's this friend, and we talk about Jesus, and we're trying to follow him. And he just saw me. What do you say? <laughs> He's like, he chuckled. Yeah. He chuckled. Yeah. And he didn't judge. Yeah. But I love that moment. Yeah. Because that's like a, a tiny example, a sliver of like doing life together. No, you're not. We're not at church. And this isn't me leading worship on the platform or as part of a small group. No, this is just me out in the wild. Yeah. And you know what? I need Jesus every bit, out, if not more out here than in there. And I love that he got a glimpse of that. Yeah. And that we could. And now it's something we can talk about because um, we all have moments like that. Mm-hmm. I mean, who are you when nobody else is looking? Because guess what? Jesus loves you then too. Mm-hmm. So, good. so we need to learn to love each other in those moments too. Yeah. We could keep going on for hours on this one. <clears throat> I'm telling y'all, this is... And this is why we never get to work out. This is why we never get to work out, yes. <laughs> We'd be sitting on the bench. We'd probably do one, <laughs> one lift and that'd be, that would be it. I want to, I want to, you know, uh, well, I say I'd want to continue this conversation on, on next week's episode, but we'll see where we're led. But I think it's, uh, it's, this is one of those conversations that I hope that people walk away with and evaluate, evaluate relationships, evaluate where they're not being vulnerable. I think, I think right now people are just feeling so lost and lonely and, it's it's really easy to keep people at a distance. Find somebody to walk with. Yeah. Find somebody to do life with. And I, I don't mean someone you sit with on a Sunday morning. Like, find someone to walk with. And be ready because they may be pretty messy too, just like you're messy. Yep. But, yes. but walk. Make a decision to walk with someone. And things will change. If you're, if you're trying to follow Jesus together, we're trying to, to follow Jesus together. Um, and we're trying to help each other do that. I think amazing things can happen when we choose to walk with someone through life and not just through the church building. Yeah. So find someone. Like, this is good. It's great for us to talk about it. It's great for us to share these things. Um but if I had to choose between us sharing this in a podcast and us just continuing to have our conversations all day long, right. we're just going to have our conversations. Yep. And we'll just talk and we'll just walk with each other because yep. that's where the growth is going to happen. Yep. Another thing is maybe remove the limitations um, regarding who you walk with. Ooh, that's, that's good. Because I think... Challenging. I you. think we're all, you know, we're all in a... Often we, we come out of uh, church or we come out of some hearing something like this and we think, yeah, I'm going to walk with someone. And then we're looking for that perfect person, mm-hmm. that person who looks, sounds, and seems like me, who's in the same station of life, who's in the same demographic, who's in the same age group, who's got the same cultural background, who's in the same profession, who has the same interests. Yeah. Um, that's not what I see when I look at the disciples. No. There's 
so many, when the word says that, that you're fearfully and wonderfully made, that applies to everyone. So look around you. You want someone to walk with? Well, look around and, and show a genuine interest in the person next to you and the person that God puts in front of you and walk with them. Are you willing to walk with them? Or are you willing to walk with someone when they meet your list of specifications? So good. Because there's people, there's older people in church that have a lot of wisdom to share. But if I'm candid, it seems like in modern churches, you get to a certain point and you become invisible. Mm. If you're not part of that target growth demographic, you don't get seen. Yeah. We need to walk with those people because there's a lot of wisdom. Or if there's someone that's a different cultural background or they have different interests, yeah. walk with them. Yeah. We said it before, walking out the gospel of Jesus begins with a person standing right in front of you. Are you trying to walk with that person? Are you willing to see in them what Jesus sees in them? Mm-hmm. Because there's a lot of blessing in doing that for you and for them. Um, find people that are in different station of life. I think a good application to that is you, you say it all the time. Um, everybody... You're going to have to pin it because I, I can't, I'm, I'm going to fail to say it the way you say it, but uh, everybody has the, 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 the fingerprints or pinch. Oh, yeah. Every, when, the, when God's word says, you know, that you're fearfully and wonderfully made, one of the things that I've come to believe is that every single person bears the fingerprints of God. Every single person bears the brushstrokes of the master. Yeah. If we're willing and interested enough to look at them and see that and look past the gunk and the scarring and the trauma and the brokenness. There's a child of God in there. Yeah. And I'm not denying that there's brokenness and there's trauma and there's ugly stuff. Yeah. But I'm also not going to accept that that is not a child of God. Right. And that relationship can happen. And are we willing to look? Are we willing to say, be honest and say, Lord, I want to love this person, but Jesus, if I'm honest, I'm not seeing what you see. Can you help me see what you see? Yeah. <laughs> help me to see what you see so that I can love the way you love. So don't limit, you know, we shouldn't limit ourselves. Like, who do I walk with? Find somebody in church. Find somebody that wants to follow Jesus and say, hey, I'm trying to follow Jesus too. Yeah. Hey, do you want to do you want to go through a daily Bible reading with me? Do you want to get together and, and talk about following Jesus every now and then? Do you want to hang out? Yeah. And it doesn't always have to be like, we're going to meet to do a Bible study. It's just yeah. just being friends. Yeah. Get a beer, get a drink, whatever. Yeah. Get lunch, mm-hmm. breakfast. Yeah, I can't, I can't stress that enough. Like there's, and we'll, we'll close out with this. Usually on Wednesday mornings, I, I got invited into meeting with Adrian and, mm-hmm. and one of our buddies, Stu, for breakfast. Mm-hmm. And Stu is in his 60s. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Stu's great. And, uh. I mean, just full transparency. I don't go seeking that. I love the wisdom of old people um, or older. <laughs> Sorry, let me take that back. Stu, and, if you're listening to this, that's not what I meant. And well, there it is. There it is. Uh, the the wisdom of, of uh, seasoned individuals. Um, you realize we're old people to the youth now, right? Oh, yeah, totally, bro. Okay, I'm just, yeah, just, just kind of level set. Yeah, I mean, there's. I would talk to my team and I'm like, they would ask me, what did you do this weekend? I'm like, well... I didn't go to a club. I, you know, went to my coach, my kid's baseball game and we went to lunch and dinner and we went home and boring, <laughs> but that's what comes with parenting and getting older. But, uh, but we do this breakfast on Wednesdays now and I look forward to it every Wednesday and, um, and it's not about, it's not about, uh, just getting a bunch of wisdom but it's just doing life with two dudes that are in different stages of life that have got experience um in places that i don't and being able to <clears throat> being able to sit and learn uh has blessed me you know and and 
there's been plenty of moments where I've walked away with conviction, healthy conviction for me to want to chase after life with those things that we talk about, you know, our breakfasts. And so, uh, don't, yeah, don't limit yourself because if I can go and sit down with a six year old man and, and have dialogue, like if I'm talking to a 20 year old dude, we've all gone through the same things, just different types of generation. Yeah, they've they've gone through stuff that that we haven't even experienced yet. Mm-hmm. I think we need to see that value in, in in connecting with people that are different. Are we connecting with younger people? Are we connecting with older people? Are we connecting with people that are more affluent and successful than us? Are we con- connecting with people that are less financially successful than us? Are we being myopic and looking for these, this is the group that I want to connect with. Because if we're doing that, it's high school all over again. Gosh. And we're doing clicks. Uh-huh. And I, I don't, I, I'm fairly certain that's not what we're supposed to do. <laughs> and I know, like, when I meet with, with our seasoned folks, I know when I meet with Stu, it's a privilege. Uh-huh. I'm honored that he would take time to spend with me. Because... The older I get, the more I appreciate how valuable my time is. Yeah. And for someone that's older than me to take some of that precious time and be willing to spend it with me, mm-hmm. bro, that's humbling. Yeah. That's, that's a blessing mm-hmm. that touches my heart. So good. And we're talking from our position, not even, we, he's not even in the room right now to be mm-hmm. able to talk mm-hmm. about what he feels, right? And there's, there's a, there's a there's beautiful dialogue that happens mm-hmm. in those moments. Well, this was great. I am. This is so good. Like I'm gonna go home and think about this, and as I'm editing. But next week, uh, may or may not have another guest. We'll see how things flow. But cool. super excited for for this season. Um, until next time. Later. Bye.